down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Good evening. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris McCarthy will be back with us tomorrow on Friday for our last show of the year. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Uh, you know, we've been covering the Ward 3 City Council race. We've had most of the candidates on, uh, and I think now we've had all the candidates on that. Carmen Amaral is uh, going to be joining me right now. Hi, Carmen. How are you? Good, Marcus. How are you? Good. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. So um, for people who may not know who you are, um, why, uh, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the audience and tell us why you're running for Ward 3 City Council? Sure. So uh, I'm Carmen Amaral. I've been a resident in New Bedford for over 40 years. Um, and, you know, I was an immigrant at a very young age. I've lived in all different parts, areas of the city. I attended New Bedford Public Schools. I've been a proud homeowner in Ward 3 uh, for 10 years now. And uh, I think it's time with my deep understanding of the issues and um, my commitment to the community to use my skill set to help the residents in New Bedford, to help us continue to build our city. So we're speaking with Carmen Amaral, uh, Ward 3 City Council candidate. So I saw you uh, I saw you had a canvas kickoff uh, a few weeks ago. Um, I saw some people, uh, you know, in the pictures that are involved with certain organizations in the area, like uh, Coalition to Save Our Schools, I think maybe the Labor Council. Are you having any, uh, do you have any organizational support uh, officially in this campaign? So my, uh, the folks who are helping me out and are on my team, it's a group of close friends, and because I've been in education for 20 years, um, a lot of those people are also involved in education and education-related organizations. Um, so those are the members of my team. The um, group that's come out and given me official support is the New Bedford Support Specialist Union. So uh, we're speaking with Carmen Amaral. So you you have an educator's uh, perspective. Um, I think that would be uh, unique um, on the city council. Uh, I don't think there's there are any anybody with um, a background in teaching or education. Uh, what value do you think that brings uh, to the council? Well, education is about advocacy, outreach, and bringing stakeholders together. Um, nothing is more important than the children of a community and bringing their, especially a diverse community. So bringing together uh, parents and different experiences and working towards a common goal. That's something that you do in education every single day, listening to the concerns of parents, listening to the concerns of students. And as an educational leader, um, I also am involved, of course, in budget management, Uh, again, communicating with uh, community stakeholders, uh, navigating the systems of the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. But really, it's about advocacy. That's what education is. That's what my whole life has been. And I believe that that's what the role of a government official should be. So we're speaking with Carmen Amaral. She's running in the uh, Ward 3 City Council special election. So one of the primary issues, I think, uh, in this race is going to be 
the Advanced Manufacturing Campus uh, over on Hathaway Road. Um, it's been in development for quite some time now. I know some uh, there's a lot of residents in those neighborhoods uh, that have questions about uh, what's going to come, given all of the traffic concerns around there. Uh, what is your um, opinion on that project, and how are you going to be a steward, not just for its development, but for uh, the, the neighbors and the, abut- uh, the people in the abutting neighborhoods? Well, I think as a city councilor in the ward, and I live, I take that exit every day on Hathaway Road, so I'm familiar with um, the concerns that people have, and I have heard some while we're at the doors, absolutely. Um, I think a foundation of my campaign and what I want to accomplish as a city councilor is um, participatory constituency. So, folks, I want them to be able to go to their city councilor, myself, and express their concerns and bring them before the city council and come together to develop solutions. So, if traffic is a concern, then and it, it is, then that's something we absolutely need to work on. And, you know, also making sure that we are getting um, businesses that want to come to New Bedford uh, to develop well-paying union jobs and find out uh, why why they aren't or haven't yet chosen to do business here. Because this is an opportunity for the city. So um, what type of businesses do you think uh, would that that uh, um, that offer well-paying union jobs do you think New Bedford could solicit? Well, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind is um, medical devices. And uh, I know we've had some uh, companies in the past, I remember from when I was younger, I couldn't tell you their names, though, that have done this in the area. I think that we're well-suited to that, um, especially with uh, machine... Because we have so many vocational schools in the area, we uh, develop students who have the skill set to be able to work in that industry. I think that's something that absolutely could go there. Um, But we also need to look at what, you know, what makes sense, what's going to bring, what's going to bring um, business here to New Bedford. So uh, to that point, um, I saw a post on your uh, on your official campaign Facebook uh, that you were uh, you'd given a uh, support to the uh, the firefighters. Now the firefighters have been, and you know they they are typically uh, at uh, at odds with the administ- the the, ma- uh, the mayor on um, you know getting a fair collective bargaining agreement. So um, why did you think it was important to to come out strongly for the firefighters and as a city councilor, how are you going to help them get um, the the uh, the wages that they deserve? Well, I think all of our public servants um, deserve deserve to be treated well, uh, specifically in less than a two week period between Thanksgiving and the first week of December. There were seven house fires. Um, I live, like I said, in Moore 3. I live by Kirby Paint. This was several years ago. Um, there was a fire right by Kirby Paint. And there were rolling blackouts at the time. Um, and I, the neighbors, the, the folks in this area were concerned at how long it took the fire department to get out. So, um, of course, the fire department and all our emergency responders, they, um, they need to be they need to be supported. It's critical for the well-being of a city. And in, as far as a, you know, in terms of the city council's duty, it is to look at the budget and ensure that the budget reflects the needs of the city and its residents. 
So, um, you know, speaking of, of public service, uh, public service, um, your would-be predecessor, if you were to, to win the election, Hugh Dunn, one of his uh, prime signature achievements in the city council was getting a home rule petition sent to, to the state legislature to get Sergeant Mike Cassidy, um, uh, his family, line of duty death benefits for um, uh, because he had died of COVID-19 and presumed to have died uh, on the job. Uh, I don't know if that I don't think that measure that homo petition passed the legislature, so it might need to re- be refiled again. And but the question is, do you broadly support that policy? And if it were to happen again, uh, would you support a home rule petition to get a public servant who died of covid a line of duty death benefits? Yeah, that was um I've been following that, and and of course, of course, I support death benefits for our public servants and anyone who puts service above self. Um, these folks are the foundation for a strong community. So we're speaking with uh, Carmen Amaral. She's a Ward Three City Council candidate in the uh, in the special election. So, um, I don't know if you followed this story, but it happened uh, about a week, a uh, couple weeks ago. Shane Burgo walked out of an appointments and briefings meeting, um, and uh, along with Ryan Pereira, uh, be, uh, to essentially force the meeting to end because there was no quorum. Um, there were people on the agenda that uh, Councilor Burgo had said here on this program were uh, basically being sat on. Um, I didn't know if you had any broad opinions on uh, Councilor Burgo's actions and any uh, uh, just the situation in general. Well, I think that uh, Councilor Burgo felt felt strongly and held steadfast to his belief that he um, felt that there should be more more voices in the room weighing in and. and he took an action that he deemed necessary. Beyond that, I can't. Of course. So we're speaking with Carmen Amaral. She's a Ward 3 City Council, uh, Ward 3 City Council candidate. Um, so, you know, in your list of priorities, uh, you talk about um, enhancing green space and walkability of our neighborhoods. One of the neighborhoods in Ward 3 is the uh, Hicks-Logan area. I think Mayor Mitchell, he said on this program, it was the most distressed area uh, of the city. Um, what do you think that area, that neighborhood and other neighborhoods in Ward 3 uh, need in order to, um, you know, be less distressed and, and and start to, uh, you know, be more prosperous? Well, I think you're right. It absolutely is a very distressed area of the city. Um, it's been neglected for a long time. And what do folks in that area, you know, talking to residents, what do they see as a need? Could it be an area for housing? I'm not sure. I don't know what the zoning is. Um, I know that um, the Quins have plans with the old Revere Copper and Brass site. I'd love yeah. to learn more about that. Um, what kind of employment and opportunities would that bring to the city and what other kinds of things can we do there? What Do we zone it for uh, mixed retail? Do we, what are the needs? I, I think the area absolutely has potential. So when, I know you've done some canvassing. When you do canvassing, when you talk to your neighbors in Ward 3, what are some of the issues that are, um, that, that you hear the most from the people uh, when you're going door to uh, door? By and large, the number one thing that I have heard about, my team and I, we, we always sit together after canvassing events and when we run into folks just out in the community is responsive constituent services. Um, worried about plowing. Somebody, we were out on the doors the other day and there were a group of gentlemen outside working on their car 
uh, saying, hey, we don't know who to talk to, but this has been the signage, lack of signage on Peniman Street um, is bad. There are always cars going in the wrong direction. This is problematic. This is a residential neighborhood. It forgotten trash collection. Areas uh, near Hayden McFadden that have had um, lights out for a considerable amount of time. Um, those are that's the number one thing that we are hearing at the doors is knowing who to contact and someone who's responsive. Constituent service is obviously really important. Um, uh, it's uh, one of the main priorities of a city councilor. So. Uh, how um, are you going to provide more responsive uh, constituent services uh, as Ward 3 City Councilor? Well, I think it's important to have people come together and know how to reach out uh, to their city councilor. And so talking to people, developing a needs assessment, an informal needs assessment, what works best? Is it to have time uh, once a month, have office hours somewhere in the evenings, if that's the time that works best, or on the weekend, in the summer, somewhere where people can also bring their children so that childcare isn't a problem, um, so that they can come and their voices can be heard. And also try to think of ways to do this. Um, how do we reach out to the elderly folks? For example, my father lived in Tabor Mill um, apartments for a very long time. Yeah. He's um, currently in a nursing home. But he did live there for a long time, and that's a really important part of our community, too. They, a lot of them are on the internet. How do we make sure that we are listening and reaching everybody in the community? Do we, is there the possibility of translating materials? Is it um, showing people how to use the city services app? I think all of those things are worth exploring. I w- actually wasn't even aware that there was a city services app. Yeah, so it's on the um, city of New Bedford website. I think it's called C-Click Fix, it's three words. I, I never seem to get it right, but you download the app, you pick a category that it falls under, you report your concern, and you hit send. Oh, that's interesting. So I don't know how widely used it is, um, but that would be, those are, those are things absolutely to look into. So we're speaking with Carmen Amaral. She's a candidate uh, in the in the Ward 3 City Council special election. Obviously, you know, you're going to be, if you were elected, you're going to be a representative of Ward 3. Um, but you're also going to vote on matters for the entire city. Um, for example, uh, the budget. Uh, the budget season will start to kick up basically as soon as, as, soon as you get sworn in because it, it usually starts up around the spring and then into the summer. Are there any particular areas that you think need to be cut or are there any particular areas that you think need to be allocated uh, more funds? Well, I can't speak to that without looking at the budget, how, you know, how it's presented. And I think a priority, too, is making sure that the budget is put together and presented in a way where it's available to residents of the entire city and it's accessible so that they understand and do we have uh, an open comment period? Um, is this something that we present in our wards and community meetings? That's, um, that, you know, I, I think that having the entire city understand the budget is critical. So, 
So um, we're speaking with Carmen Amaral. She's a Ward 3 city councilor. Uh, so uh, my understanding is from reading your bio that you uh, you immigrated here from the uh, from the Azores. Um, how have those experiences sort of informed your politics and informed this campaign? Those experiences have shaped who I am. Um, being an immigrant has de facto put me in a position of being an advocate. From a very young age, both my brother and I, and this is, I feel like, a typical immigrant story. Um, we came here, didn't speak the language. Uh, my mother died when I was young. She didn't speak the language. Uh, my father doesn't speak English. They learned a little bit in their job. Um, but it was such a dense Portuguese community that there wasn't a need. And so in terms of everyday living, now navigating systems, when my mother got sick, talking to insurance companies, doctors, um, managing budgets and bills, that was all my brother and I. So the advocacy and learning how to navigate systems, um, that happened at a very young age. Being able to talk to people and understand the intricacies and finding answers. Um, as someone with a, and I'm not sure if this is how my brain is wired or, and that's what made me great at science or the other way around, but seeking answers and trying to find solutions, um, that's, that's a product. Part of that is the immigrant story. So we're speaking with Carmen Amaral, uh, Ward 3 City Council candidate. Um, so, Carmen, um, uh, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your platform with us. Uh, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? Yeah, that I, you know, I really, I look forward uh, to being the next Ward 3 City Council. If that's what my, uh, you know, my neighbors uh, choose. I, I, I know I have a very deep understanding of the issues experienced by residents because I've been here for so long. Um, I've proven that I care about and am committed to the community, and I have this the skill set and the experience needed to fulfill the roles of a city councilor. And where can people go to learn more about your campaign? So they can find me at www.carmenamaralnb.com, or they can search for Carmen Amaral NB on Facebook and Instagram. Carmen, thanks so much for joining me this evening. Thanks, Marcus. Appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. That was Carmen Amaral, candidate in the Ward 3 City Council election. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's a really competitive field to seven. I think she's a great candidate, too. Uh, brings a, a unique uh, experience and skill set um, to the race uh, as opposed to uh, her peers. So it's really, I think, people in Ward 3... And then I guess people of New Bedford more broadly will be well served by um, one of the candidates that uh, is uh, end up winning that, that election. But that was Carmen Amaral, a uh, great candidate and, and good interview. So I'm going to uh, take a break. Um, when we get back, we'll take your calls. We'll take your app chat messages. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Uh, Chris will be back tomorrow. Marcus, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. So um, that was Carmen Amaral, Ward 3 City Council uh, candidate. Again, there's a field of seven. Uh, I think they're all, you know, really good qualified candidates. And um, I think you've got, you know, if you, you live in Ward 3 and you're voting in this election, I think you've got a great uh, a great set of choices uh, to represent. 
sorry, to represent you. Uh, again, the, the just for people who may not know, um, the preliminary election is January 24th. That will, and I see some Snapchat messages. I'll get to them in a second. Um, the preliminary election is January 24th. So that's where you, that's where people go and vote and they winnow the fields down from seven to two. And then after that is the general election, which will conclude on February 28th. And you get to pick between one of those two candidates that finishes. So um, that's Jake Ventura, Carmen Amaral, uh, Bob Cabral, Bob Bromley, um, Kathy Daner, Sean Oliver, uh, and Frank Robinson. So you can choose between one of those seven candidates. Again, that was Carmen Amaral. Um, and um, yeah, should be interesting. I'll be here. Uh, on election night too, hopefully be able to give you um, a live update. I think I will be able to give you a live update on uh, on who wins that on who wins that election. I think uh, a lot of um, there's a lot going on because there's a lot going on uh, over in New Bedford on the council because you know I'm looking at an app chat message from uh, it says NB resident on the app chat it says how does the candidate feel about the outrageous pay raises for Linda Morad's friends who, by the way, weren't even complaining about their salaries to begin with. So, um, uh, when was this? Um, I, hmm, interesting. So yeah. Uh, if for people who may not know just the backstory on that, Mayor Mitchell, He's come on this program. He's, you know, done his weekly segment on Tim Weisberg's show, and he's talked about the need to raise the wages of city employees, right? Because it doesn't make the city. Um, and I, you know, I didn't see that message until after the interview. I wasn't reading it in real time. Actually, by the time it was sent, I was the, you know, the interview was basically wrapped up, but. We can get their opinions on that as, as the time goes. There'll be opportunities, I think, to ask the candidates questions and all of that. But um, or you can reach out to them, you know, uh, on there. Uh, you can go to you can go to CarmenAmaralNB.com or you can go to any of their candidates, Facebook pages or websites and, and, and email them directly. Ask their opinions. I'm sure they'll be happy to give it to you. So but uh, for people who don't who don't know the backstory on that, basically, Mayor Mitchell came in. Uh, you know, he came on this show. He came on Tim's show. Uh, he was t- he's been talking about this for a while. Uh, the need to raise the pay of city employees in New Bedford because everywhere else in like the Commonwealth basically is paying their city empo- uh, paying their city or even town employees more. Mitchell said he lost a department head to Middleborough. Middleborough has like fifteen thousand people, right? And they're all Republicans, <laughs> and and, uh, and so they lost to they lost a they lost a department head to Middleborough who who was paying fifteen thousand more for the same job, who presides over a tenth of the people. So he had a third party, um, you know, a third party come in, uh, consulting um, organization come in and look at the pay scale, how it compares to other places in the uh, throughout the state. You know other light, other gateway cities, other towns, and all of that, and came out came up with a package, a legislative package of pay raises based on those recommendations, right? 
very data-driven approach. He hires the experts. The experts say, well, comparatively, you should be here in order to be competitive. They say, okay, cool. Here is the legislative package. You know, here's brings it to the city council because obviously they have to approve it. Here's the package. Here's what you, you know, here's what you need to, um, here's what you need uh, to, um, uh, to 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 raise the wages adequately. So the city council considers it, um, but there are a few pay raises, and this was covered pretty well in the New Bedford Light. Uh, Arthur Hirsch covered it, and Jack Spillane covered it. In fact, I had Jack Spillane on, what was it, a couple days ago? The day after Christmas, maybe? Or when was it? Like the, the 20... The 27th, I had him on. So Arthur Hirsch, who's covering the City Hall now, uh, Jack Splane, obviously, who writes his opinion columns on New Bedford Light, they've been covering this. So they're talking about their certain positions in city government that are now getting pay raises that are like 50, 50% above what comparative positions across the Commonwealth are, are. And one of them is the, animal, the city's animal officer. Right. Uh, Manny Maciel. I don't know him. I've heard he's a good guy. I have. It's really not about him. Right. Because, you know, he's not going to have that job forever. At some point, someone else is going to have that job. And for some reason, that job's paying fifty thousand dollars more or 50 percent more, forty thousand dollars more than it did, you know, uh, before this, you know, or is going to pay forty thousand dollars more than it did. You know, just a like a, f- a few weeks ago, uh, before this legislation was proposed, uh, passed, and all that, and it's going to be fifty-one percent more than any other animal officer, basically, in the state, even more than Boston. And Boston is literally seven times bigger than New Bedford. Boston has about seven hundred thousand people. New Bedford has about a, a hundred thousand people. Now, this isn't an indictment on anybody that holds those current jobs, right? And you know me, I'm for people should get more money if they deserve it. But it's obviously it's obviously raises some eyebrows when obviously raises some eyebrows when there is a legislative package that has these recommendations that is a data-driven approach, right? That says you need to pay this much because it makes us competitive versus a couple of city councilors just arbitrarily saying these specific positions, just a few, right? Just a few, a few specific positions, they need to be raised like $50,000, Right? Uh, like Cynthia Walquist, the director of human services, her pay was raised from 93000 to 43000 $50,000 salary increase. $50,000 salary increase. Now, I understand she's been working there for a while, but that's... That's about thirty thousand more than the. Uh, that's about thirty thousand more than, than I think Mitchell's official salary. I think it's about as much as the chief of staff, right? And she's the director of human services. Again, not an indictment on her. I'm sure she's a fine person. 
I'm sure she's doing a good job. But someone else is going to hold that position afterwards. Now, I say this coming from somebody who is a elected official on a governmental board in Fairhaven. And we do hiring and firing. Haven't had to fire anybody yet, thank God. Just, fire, just, just, just hired people. But when we hire people, we go by the step system. And Jack explained that and how this complicates the step system quite a bit. Because essentially what people are accusing the, the, the counselors of is just giving fat bonuses to their friends. And frankly, it's difficult to see any other reasoning but that. Because they're basically their, their arguments for giving them the pay raises were that... Oh, well, they're department heads, and so they should get paid by department head, as department heads. Well, there's some departments, like the police department, that have a lot more employees, that have like hundreds of employees, right? And there are some other departments that have a couple employees, right? So de- not all departments are created equal. Not all jobs and responsibilities, not all department heads have the same amount of responsibilities and qualifications needed for the job. So I think it's really difficult to I think it's really difficult to make a good faith argument and I think in a lot of cases you know what Linda Morad did what the other counselors did basically by just voting 10 to 0 10 and 0 I think that really disillusions people right when you're looking at that now I know it's a 400 and $50 million budget, right? But there are there is very limited in that budget discretionary spending. And I think that you're setting a really difficult precedent when you just randomly raise your people's wages. Now, we can't, again, we can't say to a certainty that, oh, it's, you know, such and such's friend, Right. We can't say that to a certainty, but we're not finding any other plausible reason why a couple of, you know, everybody's getting their pay raised as a part of this legislative package that was based on a data, you know, that was based on data um, analyzed and presented by experts. And some people just got a fifty a fat $50,000 bonus, right? Or a $40,000 bonus out of nowhere because they're department heads. I'd be upset. <laughs> Honestly, I'd be upset if I were, and if I did that to someone when I was at the BPW over here in Fairhaven, I'd expect people to be upset with me. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm always trying to advocate for giving up an employee that we hire as much as possible, right? As much as possible. But I'm not dropping $50,000 bonuses without any good faith uh, recommendate, without any good faith basis, especially because it's a union shop, right? There's collective bargaining agreements. There's union considerations that they, that they had to make, but they didn't care. I would be upset. I would be very upset about that. I'd be upset about the fact that it was proposed. I'd be upset about the fact that it went laissez-faire, 10 to nothing, nobody gave, nobody gave a damn. I would be. I don't know if you you will be, 
Because there's a lot of talk about, you know, my tax is this, my tax is that. They're being wasted on this. They're being wasted on that. A lot of people are complaining that this special election is going to cost $20,000. Well, these pay raises, these $50,000 bonuses, right? That over time is going to cost a lot more. In the immediate future, it's going to cost more than special election. Special elections like fifteen, $20,000 tops. Uh, an annual salary increase, plus, you know, COLA and all of that. And a salary increase of $50,000 is going to cost you a lot more. I don't know how, frankly, coming up on an election year, how there aren't qualified candidates who may want to get into the race who don't run on this. I don't know how they don't. If you want to get into this race and you <laughs> like the at large race or whatever, I don't know how you run. I don't know how you don't run on that. It seems crazy to me. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. We'll also take some more messages on the WBSM app chat. I'm going to take a break now. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. 1420 WBSM can now be heard on 99.5 FM. This is not an opinion. People come before pipelines. It's not too late to act on climate. At Earth Justice, we hold these beliefs to be self-evident. We're a national legal nonprofit fighting for your right to a healthy environment. Our 150-plus lawyers represent clients free of charge because now, more than ever, the Earth needs a good lawyer. If you believe what we believe, go to earthjustice.org today. Hello, I'm Jose Hernandez, and I have been using a wheelchair since my accident in 1995. I guess if I had one message for the general public, it would be that I appreciate your help. But please, ask first. I know you mean well, but I've actually got everything under control. And if I don't, I'll ask for assistance. People with disabilities just want the same respect and consideration as everyone else. This is a message from United Spinal Association. Download our disability etiquette booklet at unitedspinal.org. Need to replace your Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. Taxes. WBSM isn't just a broadcast. It's also a podcast. Get all of our podcasts at WBSM.com. The WBSM app. Or just search WBSM on your favorite podcast provider. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Also take some messages on WBSM app chat. There is some news about what's uh, a major uh, political development in Fall River. Um, that I think a lot of people will be interested in that we're going to talk about in the 8 o'clock hour. Um, so really uh, excited about that. Um, it'll give us, it'll be interesting. It's a, it's a big political development, um, and I don't think there's a lot of people coming out with it yet. Uh, so I'll have an official like column out on it or a, a, a story on, out on it tomorrow. But... Um, that's we're going to talk about that at eight o'clock. I, I think that's something people will be interested in. But for now, uh, we're taking your calls or app chat messages at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program this evening. Again, I had Carmen Amber. I want to thank her for joining me this evening because uh, 
Um, I really thought it, I think it's important to get all the, the, the candidates out. Uh, you know, it's the purpose of this show, right? Let's get candidates running for office locally, New Bedford and Fairhaven, everywhere else. Uh, get them out in front of all of you uh, to, to share their platform and why they think they're the, the best candidate. And uh, I think we've done a pretty good job with that so far with all the statewide candidates, with the, with the sheriff candidates and uh, going into the, the municipal elections, the town elections, um, that are probably early May, April, early May. We'll uh, we'll be doing more of that as well. So, but um, again, we were talking uh, a little bit about the, uh, and I had Jack on talking about this earlier. The the um, the inexplicable pay raises that was that was led by Linda Morad in the city council for like you know a few people um, gave them fifty thousand dollar pay raises for one reason or another um we can't really find any good faith reason other than um you know a lot of people are saying oh it's because that's her those people are her friends and i can't say one way or the other i can just say it's hard to think of another reason why it's hard to think of another convincing reason why um but i mean you know i always say you know if 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 you're if you're upset about it, you should run for office, right? If you're upset about these things, you should run for office. You know, that's the only way you can actually do anything about it <laughs> is just, just run for office. Go do the things that, you know, Chris and I have been talking about doing go door to door, canvas, um, you know, raise money, send direct mail, uh, go meet people and, uh, make a meaningful connection with your electorate. Um, that's the only really the way you're going to, because otherwise people are just going to do this stuff, right? They're just going to do that stuff. And, uh, I mean, if I did something like that in my elected position, I'd, I'd expect somebody to run against me. I would, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's, it's at eight o'clock. We'll talk about something that's interesting going on in Fall River. We're still tracking, obviously that, that, that story about, um, uh, the work, the walkout of that city council meeting in New Bedford, and sort of the the drama around that, and you know, Mayor Mitchell had some comments on it. We're going to have Naomi Carney on, who's going to have some comments on that next week. Um, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll flesh that story out. Probably have a a written um, piece out on it uh, some uh, next week as well. I don't want to get the lost in the holiday shuffle. You know, everybody's got the new year coming up and all of that. So um, we'll take another break, and we'll be right back. WBS. Get to him. Good evening. You're live. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, I, I know this isn't the topic of tonight, but I know you're a Fairhaven guy, and I just I would want to call you. And I, we chatted about this a couple months back about the, uh, the septic and sewer stuff going on in, on uh, West Island. Yeah. And it, it's just interesting now that, you know, the, the, the state now, they're, they're kind of cracking down on all this nitrogen and nitrogen loading when there's a... There's a system out there that's over, oversized that can handle more houses. Yeah. But still, the Fahidian's the, the forcing uh, new construction on West Island to make septic systems that can potentially cause more uh, nitrogen loading. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I spoke with our superintendent about that. Apparently, um, 
you know, our permitting is a lot different than than what Dartmouth and and uh, and Westport and the other communities on the Cape that may be affected by this. Our permitting is a lot more different, and I guess apparently a lot uh, under a lot uh, a lot more scrutinized um, than uh, than what theirs is. And so, are the night systems required on West Island right now? Um, to my think, yeah. Yeah, to my knowledge, uh, I I mean, again, to my knowledge, I I, I believe I uh, I believe so, but I'll have to look. I'd have to I'd have to follow up on that. But yeah, in what, my experience, I think only only Westport Watershed right now has been requiring D night systems. I don't I don't know if any other. Yeah, they have a yeah. That's yeah. I, they have a different. Like I said, Dartmouth and, yeah. and Westport are in water, watershed agreements. It's a little bit different than than what we um yeah. than what we have over here in Fairhaven. And so we're we're not. It's probably not going to. I mean, they you know. I guess Fairhaven was involved in those in those talks, um, but uh, apparently it's not going to apply to us. And I, I, from what I've heard, it's not likely to apply to us. But you know, I, right. I've been trying to get a more a, a clearer answer on that. But that that was sure. just a cursory conversation I had with the uh, the superintendent and what he no. said on it. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that you know they have this system that's oversized. Uh, yeah, that they won't allow. Allow. I mean, that many more properties aren't available out there to hook into. To let a couple more isn't going to do much more. And then the, the second part of the conversation is um, I applied for a building permit, I think, six months ago. Nobody ever got back to me. The latest conversation I had with someone that they basically said, we don't have a building uh, commissioner. Yeah. And we're not we're not giving out any permits until we get one, which is. So That's odd. pretty terrible. I mean, I, I uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's not something I have purview over. It's more of a yeah. select board thing, but. Um, it's kind of, I, I, I think that's obviously, it's a, that's obviously insane, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. It's, so I, I just think it's, it was interesting and they finally got, it's been sitting idle for so long and they said, Hey, you need this other piece of paperwork. I, I gave it to them and then they basically said, Hey, we don't have a commissioner. So they've been kind of stringing me along for a while saying I need to do this and that when really they've just been stringing me along. It seems like waiting for the commissioner. So hey, that, that's it. I just wanted to kind of get that out there that those two those two kind of odd things are happening down there. Of course, there it's, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Uh, we got some other calls in the line. Listen, I, I see the calls. We don't have time to get to them, um, but we I'll take them in the eight o'clock hour.